and I was going to throw the first pitch out of the Giants game. You know as well as I do, I'm a diehard Giants fan, right? We both are. They're like, Jared, you want to throw the first pitch? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Yes. Night before, I get a call from my agent. He's like, and the Rams had just traded to one like a few days earlier. It's like, hey, the Rams want you to go down and visit tomorrow. And I'm like, can they can they wait a couple days? <laughs> Would it be a bad look if I told him I wanted to throw the first pitch out for the Giants and then I'll go see him? I think that is totally justifiable. This podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Welcome back to Beyond the X's and O's. Uh, today we sit down with one of my favorite kids I've ever had a chance to coach through the Elite 11, uh, Jared Goff. Uh, he's been a friend ever since we coached him, followed his, his career closely, and he really gets into the ups and downs of his career in this conversation. But we start about talking about being the son of a big leaguer. His dad was a big league catcher. Uh, being a three-sport athlete in Marin County in Northern California, and the lessons learned from playing all three sports tells this great story. There was this period of his, I think it was his junior year, where in the summer for like three to four weeks, he had all three sports every day. Wake up and do football, then go home and eat breakfast, then he would go have baseball in the afternoon, either a game or practice, and then every night have open gyms and basketball or basketball games. And just how much he loved competing and loved playing all three sports and what it really taught him moving forward uh, you know it's really fun he's going to be inducted into his high school hall of fame yet he's going to be the only person inducted that never started opening day in his entire high school career and he gets into the reasons be, uh, behind that it's kind of funny uh, talk about his pre-draft process and how hard it was I mean, here's a guy that played three years started for three years at cal took him from one and eleven and finishing eight and five he gets about four days off and he starts the pre-draft process he trains with Carson Wentz. There's these trades in the draft order, Rams, Eagles. They know they're going to go one, two. Um, the whirlwind about going number one and getting in the Rams, uh, not having a ton of success early on. And then we really settle in. He tells some great Super Bowl stories, uh, not just of the game, but leading into the game. Uh, when he watched the game afterwards, being disappointed with some things, uh, using those as learning lessons. So, Really a rich conversation with Jared Goff. And then my favorite part of this conversation comes at the very, very, very end. So stick through this whole show. The very end, he says something so profound about what he's learning right now as he goes through the hardest stint of his career being 0-8 with the Detroit Lions and what he's learned that is really a life lesson. So uh, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jared Goff. Well, so excited for this guest. You know, we focused a lot on Beyond the X's Nose with kind of the older guys. Uh, you've heard from Gold Jacket Hall of Famers. You've heard from guys with long, illustrious NFL careers. We want to start giving you a flavor of the guys playing the game at the top of the biggest level right now. Uh, so today we're excited to have Jared Goff. Uh, I've known Jared a long time. He went through the Elite 11 process. Uh, he's one of my favorite kids we've ever coached. And it's been so fun to watch his career at Cal uh, and now in the NFL. So Jared, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. This will be fun. 
Well, let's jump in. You know, one of the starting points for most of our guests has been kind of that high school experience. But with you, I want to go back a little bit further. You're the son of a professional baseball player. So let's start. Is there one, what's your favorite story from growing up in the dugout and watching your dad play professional ball? Oh, man, I was so I was probably two or three years old. Uh, when he kind of finished up. So like my personal memory isn't there much. I do remember like vaguely being in stadiums and like seeing like, you know, lights and stuff like that. But I don't have like specific things. But I do I do uh, have heard a story of which um, is funny where I was, you know, I was young. I was two. Um, there, there, there was wives in like a suite, like, you know, having a, in a luxury box together. And one of it was one of their birthdays. And uh, I was up there running around a little two-year-old and um, sure enough, there's a big cake. It's sitting there and, and I get, I get into it and, and start, you know, throwing my hands in it. It's a big cake for one of the wives for her birthday and I'm messing it up and, and taking big handfuls out of it. So um, I'm sure I was fun to take care of at that age. And, um, but yeah, it, it was fun. And, and, I, and I think, you know, we'll get into it, but a lot of the lessons learned from him have been awesome. Was it a baseball? Okay, so obviously you don't remember a ton. You're so young when he got out of baseball, but was it still a baseball household? Was that the primary totally. focus as you started playing ball? Totally, totally. I mean, the first sport you play is, is you know, dad's tossing you the ball and you're just kind of hitting it in the yard or grounders in, in the yard. And so I, I probably played t-ball or, you know, before anything. Um, and he was always my baseball coach, always growing up. And he would help in football and he would help in basketball, but he was always like the, the head baseball coach for whatever team I was on. So you know, that was kind of a, a chance for us to bond during that and, and something that I'll always remember and, and look back on through through my whole life. So how long was he your baseball coach? I mean, when, how far did your baseball career grow and go and how, how long was he your coach? So I played every year except my senior year and, and the only reason in high school. And the only reason is because I graduated early yep. to go to Cal. Um, but he was, he was my head baseball coach probably until high school. Um, and then in high school, he would just help out here and there. You know, he was still a firefighter um still you know working a lot so he would come by and, and he played catcher in, in the big so he would come by and help the catcher out do some hitting drills but you know we had a head coach and he wanted me to get coached by somebody else and and not feel like you know I was I was you know you know the coach's son getting to play type of thing so um but I played all the way up through my junior year let's spend a little more time there because I've always admired baseball players because it's a game that is so much based off failure right I mean you're a superstar right. if you succeed three out of ten times as a hitter um, and your dad living that life. Now he's coaching you. I got to imagine, and you can give us some stories or not of some really hard times where you're probably down on yourself. You weren't as successful as you wanted to be. And your dad being able to fill those gaps with these incredible stories about bouncing back from adversity. Cause it sure shaped his life being a ball player. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I can think back to a bunch of times, you know, and, um, you know, times where I would, you know, have a three strikeout game and make a couple of errors in the field. And, um, you know, he would handle it pretty well afterwards. And sometimes he wouldn't. I'm sure there's times where he'd look back and wish he would have been better at times. But, um, you know, it was as good as you could probably ask for um, from a dad who's, who has those experiences and, and has been through it. And and I think, you know, what what has always been good for me, and, and I think he's grown into it well, is, is just the aspect of just have fun. You know, if you're not having fun and, and, and it's not, you know, fueling you and 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 getting you up every day why are you doing it so that's kind of you know through baseball and football but really in high school through baseball um with him you know just have fun you know you're not gonna you're not gonna you know break any records in high school you're not gonna you know become an all-star in high school just just enjoy the game and 
and, and have fun. And, and I'm glad I did and, and was able to share those memories with him. Well, I'll brag on your pops. You know, we've uh, 11 years of Elite 11. We've dealt with a lot of quarterback dads, as you can imagine. And I your, can imagine. Dad sit, your dad sits at the top of the list of our favorites. Oh, he, he was never an issue. He was always encouraging. He had that same mentality even as you went through the elite 11 that this was for the ride it was the journey it was camaraderie it was getting better i was having fun competing like it never became bigger than that i think that was one of the reasons why you thrive so much is because you had that support at home but anyways that's my yeah. commentary so when did the when did the love affair for football or slash quarterback start oh always i mean i was always a quarterback i was i was a quarterback since i was seven years old so really so you're doing the baseball thing and the quarterback thing in little league and and basketball, I played all three in high school. Um, but I but I loved quarterback, right? I loved baseball and I loved quarterback. Basketball, I was just okay. But um, I played quarterback since I was seven years old. Uh, really, the only position I ever played. Grew up in it, um, and really, you know, it was because I had kind of the best arm at seven years old. Probably because my dad put a ball in my hand pretty young, and just I just started chucking it around, and I had a decent arm. And we weren't throwing it much, but you know, played quarterback and was able to kind of, I guess find out what it's like to be a leader really young. Right. And, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think, you know, when I went through high school, um, I was good at both sports, but about my sophomore year of high school started to separate in football where I really felt like I'm, I'm better at football than I am at baseball. Like I'm, I'm good at both, but I, I I'm really, you know, football is easy type of thing. Like this is, you know, I got, I got to work to be good at baseball. I got to stay in the cage. I got to spend a bunch of extra time football. I could kind of just roll out there and just, you know, make some plays happen, which was, which was kind of my like light bulb of like, okay, this is your sport. And and then from there, I got the, you know, the first offer from Cal after my junior season. And, and, and that was my first scholarship offer in either sport. Um, so that made the decision pretty easy. When you were in high school, three sport athletes weren't as common as like when I was in high school because you're sure. still there's demands to specialize, correct? I mean, I'm sure being a very good baseball player, you're invited to play on all these travel ball teams, especially with your dad being a, a big leaguer and football. I mean, you went through a little bit with Elite 11, but a lot of these quarterbacks, they do nothing but quarterback. And then yep. winner is an opportunity to lift weights or work on your speed or work on your agility and, and you're playing hoops. So, the, one, speak to the demands on sure. your time and then two, the value of the sacrifice of playing all three and what that brought you. Yeah. You, you know, I loved it. I really did. And, and I, I knew no different. And I think it kind of speaks to my dad again. Like I, we had a bunch of friends who were doing exactly what you said, who played one sport and played travel ball year round, or, you know, it, it was, and that was really the sport that you played year round was baseball. Um, but I, but I was like, you know, my dad was like, go play basketball, go play football, try them all, do them all. And he played all three in high school. So, Again, kind of speaking to that, like he was able to relay that to me. But, you know, I loved I loved being busy. I loved playing the games. I, I remember, you know, during my sophomore year, um, I actually I played varsity um, baseball, basketball and football as a sophomore. Um, and I remember that summer I had all three sports like, like every day for like a couple of <laughs> weeks. So I would wake up and I would have 6 a.m., you know, football. You know, you get there, you, you hit your weights, you do practice and you're done by nine come home and eat breakfast i'd go back and i would have baseball practice at you know noon you know whatever noon to two knock that out maybe i had a game i, I, I you know it was a few hours knock that out come back home maybe take a nap and then i'd have like a six o'clock basketball game and it was just it was kind of that way for like there was a two-week period where they kind of overlapped and i kind of did that for you know if, you know probably six seven eight times uh through the summer 
So let's drill a little bit deeper into that sophomore year. I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that your first varsity football start your sophomore year? Yeah, so interesting. Me and a guy split time. So I actually never started. We really? Would go like two series, two series. He was the returning starter. They went to the state championship the year prior. Um, I was young, right? I'm a sophomore. He was a junior at the time. So he would go two, I would go two, and he was like a captain. So he always got the start. I actually never got the start my sophomore year. Well, I got to believe you learned something from that. I, this is great. I had no idea, even though we researched you through the Elite 11, but I had no idea you split time as a sophomore. That's really interesting because I got to believe if he's a captain, he's a good player, they won a state championship, you had a role model to a certain degree or somebody you can learn through his successes and through his mistakes. Sure. Uh, is that a super valuable experience for you? Because I'm really wanting to answer this question because I do believe a lot of our audience are high school quarterbacks or high school quarterback yeah. dads or people in youth sports, and they're dealing maybe with a similar issue and kind of speak to what you learned through that experience your sophomore year. Right, yeah, I was I was really lucky that he was a really good dude and still is one of my closest friends to today. So oh, it wasn't great. like a, it wasn't like a, you know, little brother thing where he was trying to always big dog me like that. It was, I was, I was lucky in that regard, but I think, you know, being around him, he was a great leader. He was a great football player. He ended up playing receiver for us and he played in Oregon played at Oregon for, for a few years at, at receiver. He walked on, but um, you know, he, he was a tremendous player and, and, and a tremendous leader. And I was able to kind of, I guess, grow underneath him a little bit um, and, and still play well on the field and still have my moments. Um, but, but it was really fun to, to learn from him and, and to grow in that way. And again, I had, I had baseball and basketball too. So it wasn't like all my eggs were in one basket. I was able to enjoy, you know, the winter and the, in the spring as well. And um, but yeah, I, I think the best, I, the best thing about it was he was a great dude and, and, and we, we kind of worked together well. He was a runner. I was a thrower, obviously. Um, it was a good little dynamic. That's cool. So when was your first start? You know, so the, my junior year, I come back, right? And um, the, so I, I, my, I still give my head coach some, some grief about this, but <laughs> he started the first game. And we were, again, we're both good. He's, he's, a, he's totally a runner. I'm totally a thrower. But again, now he's a senior captain, right? He's a tremendous player. He starts the first game. He plays two series. I come in, um, and I and I and I, I believe I played the rest of the game, and we won. So I'm like, okay, you know, I hope you know, I hope I'm the starter now, right? I hope it's done. Next game, same thing. He starts, plays two series. I come in after that. Uh, come in, I believe we won the game again. I believe in either that game or the third game. He actually hurt his shoulder. His he's a lefty. He hurt his throwing shoulder. So I was like, okay, Chris is going to be a receiver now. Like, Jared, you're the starter. So it kind of like, you know, kind of who knows what would have happened if he didn't hurt his shoulder. You know, you never know how it would have gone. But, uh, you know, it all worked out. And, and again, he's one of my closest friends to today. And, and I still give my head coach a little grief about that. So I got my first real start probably as a third game my junior year. Well, I got to believe by this time, it's not that big of a deal. It's old hat, right? You've played so much football as a sophomore. You've played yeah. these first few games, the majority of them splitting time with Chris, I, most guys, we talk about their first start and the nerves and the anxiety and the atmosphere, try to take us into that. But I got to guess, I got to assume yours was like, well, okay, I just means I'm starting the game. Right, exactly. It was like, I was already a captain. I was already had all that. I was like, all right, finally, just I get to start the first game. And it is funny though, my first start, Morgan Mahalik, a guy, you know, yeah, I think just to poke or no, I'm sorry. This is my senior year now. It's your senior year when Morgan was behind you. Yeah. Morgan was my junior. And so I, the joke was that I never started the first game of the season. So my senior year, my coach, again, to kind of poke fun, I believe put like did like wildcat, like, and I was at receiver and Morgan was the quarterback and they like ran like a zone read. And then I, and then I was in, right. 
so you know just kind of something that you know was funny but um you know i think you had to answer your question yeah when i finally was able to be like all right i'm the starter i had already had a bunch of playing experience so there wasn't much nerves that first game as a sophomore though that's when you get the nerves because i knew i was going to play didn't really know what series knew it was going to be probably the third series i was probably gonna play a couple series and it was yeah that's where you got the nerves i was probably 145 pounds you know soaking wet you knew where I was going. I have two places I want to go with you, and then we'll put a bow on high school. Uh, finish there. So how big were you? Talk to people, because there's a lot of kids that are frustrated. They're like, I'm only 155 pounds. And this guy I'm looking out on 247, he's 195. Like, you were a late bloomer. So you're 145 as a sophomore. What were you, 6'2"? Yeah, I was probably 6'2 when I was a freshman. I, it was always like how old I was. So when I was 14, I was 140 pounds. And then when I was 15, I was 150 pounds. It was kind of 10 pounds every year. When I was 18 years old, as a starter for Cal Bears, I was 180 pounds. Oh, I remember. Remember me making fun of you in the Oakland Regional, asking if you'd ever been in a squat rack? Yeah, yeah. So I was probably at that. I was, you know, I was my junior year. I was probably 175 pounds. <laughs> um, I was 6'2". I was thin. Um, but, I, but I was durable, man. I, was, I, was, I could take a hit. I was, I was ready. You were. And then, uh, so what are, what are you playing at now? Uh, I'm probably 215 now. Okay, so you yeah. through Cal, you got kind of that man strength, and you got in the NFL in that two hundred five to two fifteen. Yeah, so I finished Cal at about I was again I was twenty one years old, so I was two hundred five. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I finished there at about two hundred five, put on about ten pounds before the combine, and I've kind of held that two ten to two fifteen for the last five years, gone up and down from there. All right, so I this is one that's interesting. Have you been inducted into your high school hall of fame yet? I mean, you obviously are going to. Have you been inducted yet? No, it's a it's a ten year wait, so I'm about two years away. Okay, so when they do, you got to make sure you find out if you're the only Hall of Famer that never was an opening day starter in their sport that they're. I should, to. I should. That'd be funny. Yeah, my head coach probably like doesn't like to talk about that story much, but uh, you know, it, it would be funny to bring up. He probably. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, that should that should be the the theme of your speech. Sure. Is like no, how should, many right? how many guys are in the Hall of Fame that didn't never started opening day for their coach. Right. Yep. That is good. I will, I will use that. All right. So the recruiting process, uh, I was obviously, I knew you while you're going through it, but kind of give the audience just a general um, summation of your recruiting process. Yeah. For, for me, it was really, really quick. It was, uh, I, I played my junior year and, and where I'm from in, in Marin County, it wasn't a hotbed for recruits. We didn't have coaches coming to our games, but I had a good junior year. I won some awards. Uh, we had a good team. Um, so I got a little bit of attention, was getting the letters in the mail. I signed up for, you know, all those recruiting, you know, helping websites, whatever those were to try to help get film out. Huddle was brand new. So it wasn't like, you know, I was able to send a bunch of film. I had to kind of cut it myself, put it on YouTube, send a link, you know, that whole thing. Um, but I, I, I went over to junior day at Cal um, in March after my junior season. So in my leading into my, you know, I'm really in my junior season of baseball at this point. Went over to Cal. Um, neither of my parents could go. They were like, oh yeah, just go to junior day. Like kind of weren't expecting much. Um, I was there with my uncle and my head coach from high school. And, uh, you know, sure enough, Tedford pulls me in his office. He's, you know, he's talking and, Hey man, we're going to, we're going to offer you a scholarship. And he kind of kept just talking. And, um, I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, like, did you just say you're going to offer me a scholarship? Like it was kind of, you know, we weren't expecting it at all. And, you know, I remember after the conversation, my uncle was like, okay, so just so we're sure, like you're, you're offering him a scholarship, right? And he's like, yeah, like we, we would love to have him. And I was like, oh my God. So you know, growing up a Cal fan, the whole thing was awesome. But then from there, um, that offer was probably on, you know, a Saturday. And then I had Boise State and Washington State offer me on like Wednesday. And then I committed to Cal probably three weeks later. 
Okay, see, that was quick, and that makes sense, too. Now, I do have to ask you this, and we'll bust Jeff's um, chops on this one day, but so, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I was his first, right? So, Jeff was the OC. He had played in Canada, just as Jeff Ted were talking about, was the OC, uh, sorry, was playing in Canada, comes down, replaces a legendary offense coordinator at Fresno State, Rich Olson, who went on to win national championships at University of Miami and coached the NFL for years with the Cardinals, Vikings. Uh, but Jeff got – I was his first guy, and then I was his first first-round pick. But uh, if you don't know this, there was – I think there's six or seven of us. So Aaron, obviously, <laughs> the, the yeah. headliner, Aaron Rodgers, who followed you at Cal, but you and Aaron at Cal, uh, Achilles Smith, Joey yep. Harrington, Jay Feely at Oregon, and myself. Is that wow. all of us? Uh, Kyle Bowler. Was Kyle he- Bowler at Cal. That's <laughs> right. Kyle. He t- That was his first year. Kyle had played terrible his junior year, I think. And then Jeff came into Cal and completely fixed him. He gets drafted, what, 15 overall, something like that, by the Baltimore yeah, Ravens. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a bunch of us. Did he ever compare any of us? Because I've been asking him this forever, and he never gives me a solid answer. Did he ever I, compare any I, of us? I don't think so. I don't think I ever heard him compare compare me to any of his former guys. And and I actually, I you know, never had him coach me, but just through the recruiting process, no, never. I don't think he did. <laughs> That's crazy. I would, I would have loved a, uh, an old Dilfer comparison, though. That would have made me, you know, real excited. Oh, you were way better than me. Trust me. Um <laughs> I got lucky with it all. Well, that's cool. All right. So you commit to Cal, uh, obviously being a Northern California guy, uh, that's got to be a thrill of a lifetime. When we get back from our first break, we will talk about Jared's experience at Cal. There was a rough start there. I'm sure he learned a lot from that adversity. We'll be right back. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code DIMES at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. The world is starting to open, and the performance package 4.0 for Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Boy, do I need that. Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, or sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. This package also comes with the Weed Whacker, this elite nose and ear hair trimmer. 
is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This trimmer also has a proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIMES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DIMES. All right, well, you didn't have to travel far to go to college. <laughs> you played high school in Marin County, and now you go over to Cal to be the quarterback there. Uh, first year, talk to me about that first year because it's not what you necessarily signed up for, was it? No, yeah, it was tough. You know, you come in, uh, Coach Dykes was was recently hired, um, yep. you know, Tony Franklin, the coordinator, um, brand new staff, brand new everybody. But it was a chance for me. It was an opportunity for me to, you know, go play. And, and I was lucky that those guys gave me that opportunity, right? They could have, you know, said, oh, we're going to just go with the oldest guy and, and whatever. But they're like, no, open competition, come and compete. Um, I did that and, and ultimately won the job. But yeah, one in 11. Uh, we, we started off the first game of the season. We had Northwestern at home. Um, I remember, never forget it. Like five o'clock start, um, you know, the sunset and like kind of right over the Bay Area. You're getting that like perfect, like, you know, it's sunny, but it's going to get dark by halftime. Um, crowds packed, fun game. We, we lost, but it was, you know, 44, 35 or something. Offense did okay. Um, and then the next week we played Portland State. And, and it was closer than, than you'd hope, you know, it was like 30, 35, 31 or something. We won, but it was, it was closer than you, you, you want it to be. And then, and that was our last win. We, we, we lost 10 in a row straight from there. Um, yeah. And it was tough. It was really tough. You, you learn a lot. I think, you know, the main thing I learned is how hard it is to win and, and how much it takes. And, and, and that, you know, in, in high school, I, I lost four games in high school. It was, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I, I'm a hard worker, but I could kind of roll out there and just, get it done sometimes. And, you know, you learn that pretty quickly in college. Um, that, ain't, that ain't the case anymore, especially in, in big time, you know, Pac-12 or any power five football, you know, it, it's hard to win. It's really hard and it's, and it's really easy to lose. You can do some, you know, really easy things to, to lose a game. And um, I think that was the main thing I learned that whole year and, and just, you know, how to be accountable and how to be a leader and how to kind of fight through some adversity. What about resilience? Cause I watched, I, I'm, I don't want to say every game, but I can't think of a game I missed because I was living in the Bay Area. Um, my stepdad went to Cal. Cal was my dream school. Uh, Jeff was one of my best friends, and I know you played for Sonny, but Jeff recruited you. So I always was at Cal games while Jeff was the coach there. And so I, I kept a very close eye on, on Cal football and you especially. Mm -hmm. And I remember you just getting the crap beat out of you. Yeah. Uh, it was, I don't know if they call it air raid, but it was really spread offense, not a ton of protection answers, soft edges, um, yep. and just getting launched on. Uh, how much did that affect you at all? Did you ever get skittish because of that? Or was that never an issue? You know, you know like, really, I think I was like naive to it. I, I really think I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize I thought I was like, oh, this is just college football. I'm just, you know, going to get hit a lot and we might lose a bunch of games. You know, I didn't really realize that, um, you know, that there were, there were some answers for me and, and some different things to do. Now, our coordinator, Tony Franklin, who to this day is probably my all time favorite guy I've had. Like, and, and just, just as a dude, as a coach, the way he coached me, how hard he coached everybody. Um, he, he was so awesome with me and so much fun, but, you know, our offense was predicated in a lot of RPO stuff. It was a lot of, you know, stretch right out left and, and that would leave the end unblocked. And, and if I pulled it and the guy's covered, I'm going to get hit. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of like learning when to take my shots and when not to. And as I got older and, 
uh, you know, got through my sophomore and junior year, it, I, I took a lot less hits because I learned the offense a little bit more and was able to kind of control where the, where the pressure is going to come from. What was your approach after the 111? Uh, I mean, I mean, you said you kind of glossed over it, but you learned a lot of lessons. You went through adversity, but now you got to reboot, right? Like, right. okay, here's my first year. I win the job as a freshman. I just get the snot beat out of me. We only win one game in Portland State. What was that offseason like? How did you approach it? What was the messaging? Because there's somebody right now watching that just went is go is 0 and 9 or they just missed the playoffs and like I gotta do this again. Like what where's where's the light at the end of the tunnel? There there may not seem like there is a light. You know, that's the hard part is that you 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 don't know. But but because of who you are and, and the way you're you're built, you don't know any different other than just put your head down and work. Um and I think, you know, that offseason was was hard was a lot of hard work was a lot of you know obviously personally but our team our team put in a lot of work man we we, we really bonded together through it um we really came together and, and and really put that hard work in but you're not promised anything right you're not promised to win games even if you work hard um i think that's you know one of my favorite things is is if you if you work hard you're not promised anything but if you don't work hard you are promised something and that's that you probably won't be very good um so you know it, there is that sacrifice you have to put in and there is that that hard work and time. I think ultimately it is it is time and it is sacrifice. It is, you know, understanding that, you know, you're not going to be able to do the same things that other 18 year olds do or other 19 year olds do um, going out with their friends, going to going to festivals, going to you know concerts. Um, you can't you don't you don't get to if you, if you want to be good and you want to be great and you want your team to be good um, in our position. It's too hard. I love that. And I, I wasn't even going to go that direction, but we're going to stay there for a second. Because, and you said some of the things you sacrifice, uh, go a little deeper into that because I don't, I think there's a lot of high school kids. I have them on my team, right? They're, I have a very highly recruited team and I think their perception of what college football is, is, oh, I get to go do all the cool stuff that college kids do. And I get a full ride and I get to play on Saturdays on TV and all this stuff. And yeah. I'm trying to tell them, Hey guys, it's a job. I mean, yeah. and, and it's going to be worth it, but you're going to miss out a lot. So what are some other just normal things you miss out on as what a normal college student gets to experience? And then is it worth it? Yeah, well, you know, the first part, like you're going to miss you're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss Thanksgiving. You're going to miss Christmas. Probably you're going to miss, uh, you know, in the summer, you're going to miss your friends going on summer vacation because you're working yeah. out. You're doing summer school. Um, you're going to be taking, you know six units in the summer and it's going to be, you know, two months of the most boring class with 10 people in there and you're, and you're tired from your workout in the morning and you don't want to be there. And, and you're, you're looking at your Instagram and your friends are, you know, in Lake Tahoe or they're in, uh, you know, at the beach somewhere and, and you're sitting in class, you know, it, it, that's the, that's the reality of it. But the people that don't do that get weeded out really quickly, you know, yeah. you, cause you know, and, and now today, you know, you see where everyone is, right. You see somebody that's, in Lake Tahoe having fun with their friends and you're in class, you're like, okay, like I got, that's, I got an edge on him. Like, all right. Like, so you're able to see that now those people get weeded out very fast, but yeah, is it worth it? Absolutely. If you love it, if you love it and you, and you, and you want to do it and it's, it's part of your dream and, and your life. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. And I think more than anything, it's, it's, you know, let alone football, let alone, uh, you know, college football, it's, it's your, it's your current job that you're trying to be good at, whatever that may be be your best at whatever, whatever you're trying to do. And if that's college football at the time, 
put everything aside and, and, and be the best you can be. And, and if you don't, I, you know, you know better than anybody. If you don't, you'll be found out really quickly. What's the best part of college football? Ooh, it's the, it's the locker room. It's the, the locker room. I mean, just the pageantry, the locker room, the camaraderie. It's the time of the stage of life you're in. Is, is it all of that? It's, it's, I think it's, it's the locker room and like the, the camaraderie there, you know, it's just different. You, you live with a lot of the guys, right? You're, you're, okay. you're roommates with a lot of them. You see them every single day. You're partying with them. You're, you're, you know, you're having a beer with them. Um, you're, you know, a lot of, you know, mostly eating almost every meal with them. Um, it, it truly is a family and, and it's a lot more guys in the NFL, but it's, you know, that, that locker room daily being in there, cracking jokes, you know, you know, running around the locker room, you know, playing, playing gambling games on the ground, whatever it may be, you know, that's the stuff that you never forget. And then, yeah, on game days, it's, it's, it's special, you know, it's, you're, you're playing for, you know, whoever is on your team and whoever's at the school currently, but you're also playing for hundreds of thousands of people who have been to the school before who still watch you on Saturday and um, still have pride in, in their school. I love that answer. And I always thought of it as, you know, my 14 years in the NFL, I had a lot of relationships and many of those people are, I'm still really close to your college teammates are your brothers. Is that a fair way of saying it? And, and I remember it hit me. I was in Tampa and we had all these Florida state, Miami and university of Florida players. Like our, our organization really went hard drafting those three schools. And they enjoyed being a professional football player. Many of them are in the Hall of Fame right now. Warren Sapp and, and go on and on and on. Derek Brooks. But you look at their weddings. You look at things as now we're all old farts. Their best men were their college teammates. The things they had the most pride in were their college experiences. Their best stories are their college stories. Yeah, they made a lot of money. Yeah, they had great experiences. We all, the NFL is awesome. I'm not poo-pooing the NFL at all. But there's just something pure, right? Is, is that a good word? Just pure right. about yeah. your college football experience. I think you spend so much more time with them, right? You, yeah. you're, you're around them more. Everyone in the NFL has families. They have kids. They have wives. They have, you know, whatever to go home to. When you're in college, I mean, a lot of times we would just stay in the locker room after practice and just hang <laughs> out. Like, we got, we, where are we going to go? Back home and go hang out more at home? Like, you know, just sit around, you know, eat some food, hang out in the locker room. It it, it becomes a home away from home um, if it's done right. And um, I think that's where those memories are built. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone has those nights that you go out with your friends from college that, you know, you've got funny stories that'll last forever. All right. Before I ask the question, I'll tell a story. We had Alex Smith on the show and he thought he was being punked when he got the information back that said he could possibly be a first round pick. I thought that was incredible. When did you that's first funny. know that? Oh, the NFL was not just a dream, it was reality. And in fact, you, you're going to have a chance to be one of the top picks of the draft. Yeah, I, I think you always dream about it, right? You always think you can do it, but you, you never really know and, and have no idea what you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, but I remember after my sophomore year, we, we had a good year on offense. Granted, we were five and seven, but we had a good year on offense. And, you know, some of those mock drafts start coming out for the next year. And, you know, you sure enough, you see yourself on there, Mel Kuyper's, you know, saying my name. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> All right. I've only played two years in college. I'm 19 years old. I played two years of college football. Um, we haven't, we've only won six games in two years. I'm like, all right. Like, I mean, if you say so, Mel, like, uh, you know, what? I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a first rounder if you say so. But anyway, so we go through the year um, and through the off season leading up to my junior year and in, in the hypes building. And, you know, it's myself, it's, it's Christian, it's Paxton Lynch, you know, a handful of guys 
Carson Wentz ends up coming up later in the year, but um, a handful of guys that were like, all right, these guys are going to be the guys this year. Um, and so, me, you know, my teammates are, you know, Hey man, like you're going to leave. Like, you know, we, you're not staying for your senior year. And, and I was dead set on staying for my senior year. Like I was like, no, I'm not ready to go to the NFL. I played two years of college football. I'm not even close to ready. And then, and then as the off season went on, you know, you start getting better and you start, you know, game starts to slow down quite a bit. Um, and as I stepped in my junior year, I felt really good and played well, played well through about five or six games. We were five and zero, oh, I believe at one point. Um, and we were playing well. And again, that only builds the, the hype and everything. Right. So I remember after one game, I believe it was USC. I don't remember if I think we lost. Well, I know we lost because yeah, I know we lost. Um, and, uh, I was, I was sitting on my couch in, in my, in my house in Berkeley. Um, and my dad was sitting there with me and he's, you know, I remember him being like, so what do you think? You, you, you know, this is probably six, seven games in. I haven't, I haven't made a decision yet. Um, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, I think, I think this is it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to be done after this year. And he's like, good. I, I agree. And that, that was the, that was the, that was the extent of it. That was super deep. <laughs> yeah, no, really. It was, it was, I remember it was a 30 seconds. It was like, so what do you think about, you know, being done after this year? And it was like, yeah, I think that's it. And he's like, okay, cool. I think so too. And we're uh, able to stay, we're able to stay focused. I, there's this narrative. I, I, every year I hear it and I, I kind of scoff at it, but when you know, a kid's going to come out, right. You know, a kid's going to come out and you hear Johnny fans say, well, he's not going to be as invested in his team. He's not going to be no. as focused. He's thinking about the NFL. I think that's hogwash. I'm sure that didn't affect you. Correct. It really didn't at all. I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't think about it truly to like that conversation middle of the year, truly put some thought into it. Um, and then, after that, you know, I, I believe we had lost a couple in a row. So in my head's going, all right, we need to win some. I need to do this, that, and the other if I want to, you know, solidify myself. Because if not, I'll, I'll be back for my senior year. So, uh, you know, I was able to play well through that end of the year and made that decision pretty easily. I was I was lucky to have two coaches, Sonny Dykes and Tony Franklin, who were like, you're not coming back. I don't care what you want to do. You're, you're going to the NFL. You're going to be a top 10 pick. So don't even think about coming back. And I was like, okay, you know, twist my arm. Okay, I'll go. So um, that made that decision pretty easily. And then, and then ending on a good note, being eight and five and, and, and winning that bowl game and being able to, you know, like you said, leave the place better than where, when I came and, and, and doing it with like a lot of the same guys that were on that one and 11 team. It really was. It was a lot of those yep. juniors that are now red shirt seniors. Um, a lot of those guys, you know, I was a junior at the time, but a lot of those same guys on that one and 11 team that we all kind of went through it together um, and came out the other side with a bowl game victory and being eight and five, it was a special way to end it. Take me now where, you know, you're going to go to the draft. You uh, finish strong. Like you're saying, I, I do give coach Franklin and coach Dykes a lot of, a lot of credit for your success. You know, a lot of guys, you only played three years of college football. You were young when you went to the NFL uh, Joey and I have talked about this for years. It's not the age of the quarterback. It's how many times you were able to be the quarterback. And that's right. more than just, that's more than just starts, right? It's how many times you had to control the locker room, how many times you had to bounce back after a loss, but yeah. also it's attempts, right? You had over 1500 attempts in your three years. So you were the quarterback a lot, both yeah. on the field and off the field. I, I remember because I was doing the TV thing at the time, talking about you and pre japs you know, being very confident that you had been hardened enough, that you'd had enough experience. Um, I thought there'd be a little bit of a, a learning curve going from the type of offense you played in college to an NFL style, but the NFL was also changing at the time. You know, sure. they were starting to be more open to uh, newer concepts and spread concepts. So uh, now you, you enter the draft, give the fan a little bit of a glimpse 
from that time that the season ends, mm-hmm. you you don't have to talk about the hiring and agent process, but you you got to now get ready for this combine madness and this pre-draft sure. madness. Uh, give a fan a little bit of a look into what that is like for a quarterback is now being projected as being the over first overall pick. Sure. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, hard. You know, first you don't have much time off. I remember our bowl game was, I believe December twenty eighth, and I started training on d- January two. Right, like five days. It's, you go. You know, and you don't have much time off. That that rookie year for a quarterback is the longest year of your life. You get you know all the emotion of your last year of college right into the emotion of your rookie year, and it's it's a lot. But um, I trained with Ryan Flaherty, and uh, Ryan Lindley was my quarterback trainer. Um, and we dove in right away, January 2nd, you know, my goal was, okay, I need to put on 10 pounds and then I need to learn protections and I need to learn a lot about, you know, NFL offense. Um, and, and you really only have, I guess, when's the combine late February, you have, you know, really six weeks to do it, six, seven weeks to do it. Um, and it's, it's all in every day. It's Monday through Friday, maybe Saturday and Sunday, you do leave in a little bit of extra work, but it is all in every day from when you wake up to when you go to bed, um, getting ready for that combine and, and. You know, I'll get into like the visits and all that stuff if you want me to. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, let me give a shout out to both Ryan's, Ryan Flaherty and Ryan Lindley, because I remember I came down and visited you. I think it was the right. second yep. week of February. I think it was the week right before you were leaving. And I just wanted a glimpse because I was going to have to talk about it on TV. And I just wanted a glimpse of what you what you had gone through. And I, I give them so much credit. I remember sitting at that, I don't know, it was this office building. We went into a conference room and there was just playbook after playbook after playbook. And he had started building your own playbook and you were you were learning protection schemes and run calls and NFL pass concepts and situational football. And yep. not only that, but then you're going out with Ryan Flaherty and you're beating your body down and making it bigger, stronger, faster, more flexible you tweak your you tweak your mechanics a little bit. You never needed massive retooling, but you're tweaking your mechanics a little bit. So when he says it's all day, every day, ladies and gentlemen, it is all day, every day. You don't get a chance to celebrate the success of the year no. you just finished. And really, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you don't really get the chance to be excited about what's about to happen because you're so in the moment of trying to get better every day, correct? Absolutely right. It's it's so it's so fast. It's so you know water you know fire hose in your mouth everything like it's so yeah. much information. And I don't know I, you know Carson Wentz played in the um, FCS national championship that year, so he was training with me. I don't know how the kids that play in the national championship now have enough time. Like it, they, they, what do they have four weeks? I don't, I don't, I don't know how they do it. If they have, I had some massive stuff I had to get ready for, you know, I had to put on 10 pounds. I had to learn a lot of stuff. Um, I couldn't have done it in, in that short of time. So I, you know, now I don't know what they'll do with the combine moving forward after COVID, but um, you know, you'd like to think those guys could have a little bit more time to get ready and, and be able to showcase themselves a little bit more. I agree with you. Okay. Give me your best, uh, funniest, uh, whatever your best story as it relates to your visits or the combine or just your introduction to NFL craziness. Oh, that's a good one. I'll put some context on it. Like, you know, when you're, when you're a quarterback prospect like that, after the combine, you take these visits and you, you fly. I went to, I went to Philly. I went to new Orleans. I went to Dallas. I went to, uh, I went to the jets. Um, I went to LA. Uh, I went to San Francisco. So you, you're kind of, and it's kind of at their discretion. They're like, Hey, come in tomorrow. And you just are like, all right, you know, I'm up in the Bay area, staying with my family, but um, you know, all right, off to SFO and, and, you know, off to New York. So it's kind of at their discretion whenever they want to do it after the combine. Um, and with that, you have um, 
you have your pro day, which is sometime in that mix, which is usually a few weeks after the combine. And then you also are going to have uh, workouts for teams, which is usually at your college. So all that's kind of going on. Um, I, I was, uh, I was going to go, there was a, there was a time it was either in April, it was in April or was it late March, actually it was late March. And I was going to throw the first pitch out of the giants game. And you know, as well as I do, I'm a, Diehard Giants fan, right? We both are. We live and we ride and die with our San Francisco Giants. They were having Cal Day. It was Cal Day was the next day. It was Stanford night and then it was Cal night. They're like, Jared, you want to throw the first pitch? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Yes. Night before, I get a call from my agent. He's like, and the Rams had just traded to one like a few days earlier. It's like, hey, the Rams want you to go down and visit tomorrow. And I'm like, can they can they wait a couple days? <laughs> Like, would it be that bad? Would it be, would it be a bad look if I told him I wanted to throw the first pitch out for the Giants and then I'll go see him? You know, so I think it's totally, I I think that is totally justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, no, I was considering it for about five minutes and I was like, no, I'll I'll throw out the first pitch for the Dodgers after they draft me and it'll be fun. Um, But it was funny. Actually, I got down there and and Jeff Fisher like tossed me a baseball and he's like, I think you'll be all right. You know, kind of, you know, yeah. joking with me because he knew the story about like you know i wanted to throw out that first pitch but that was a fun one i think you know kind of ironic was i was in philly on my visit when the rams traded to one and then i was in la on my visit when philly traded to two um and so me and carson trained together the whole draft and we kind of knew we were going to go one two in, in whatever order um and then once that philly trade happened it was like all right we're, we're going to get one two no doubt um where it's going to be who knows but um soon after we kind of figured it out so, real quick, have you ever thrown out the first pitch for Giants? I haven't. I haven't. No, I'm that's... gonna text you. I'm gonna text you Kruko and Kuiper's number when we're off this. Please, I would love to. We'll do a group group text and be like, "Hey, you got to get Jared back to throw out a first pitch." This is I would love to. I, I, I did the Dodgers. I've done the Tigers now. Um, I have not done the Giants. Oh, you got to do your hometown team, man. Right. Right. Awesome. All right. So we're not. Listen, everybody. You can go look up Jared's NFL career. Uh, we have really tried hard on this show not to like talk about the clickbait, the NFL stuff. There's awesome shows out there to do that, right? I mean, you just turn on NFL primetime or whatever they call the countdown show in the morning, watch Hasselback talk about it. I'm more into the stories behind the stories of your NFL career. Very few quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have started in the Super Bowl. We are two of them. Uh, tell me that ex- what that experience was like you can go as deep into the game as you want you yeah. cannot even talk about the game but just the from the time you win the nfc championship and yep. you realize oh my gosh we're going to the super bowl that ride because when people right. ask me about my super bowl stories i talk about that ride and then i talk about the post game i hardly ever talk about the game itself right yeah no well i wish i had a better post game story but i'll give you from from <laughs> nfc championship uh when Greg Zerline's kick went through from whatever it was, 57, you know, the, the feeling of like a oh, holy shit, you know, yeah. we're actually going to the Super Bowl. Like, and you know, you kind of believe it can happen, but until it actually happens, you're, you don't really, you know, it doesn't really hit you. So I remember that moment. I'll never forget that moment. I can still see it right now running on the field. Um, and that feeling of like, Oh my God, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, those two weeks are nuts. You know, the first week you practice at home, this next week you might as well not even have football practice because it's kind of, you know, just a media circus for the whole week. And now I'm sure it's crazier than when you were playing. But so that was different being out there. And I think that that ultimately gave Patriots some sort of an advantage, right? They've done it a bunch of times. So they had a little bit of a better system in place. But 
regardless, you know, you go out there, you, you practice. We were practicing at the Falcons facility, um, which was great. And then we had media every single day and that was new, right? You're talking about things you're not usually talking about. You're, they get start asking questions that aren't usually asked because they have so much time to ask whatever they want. And the storylines are wild and, and you're hearing things going on. And, um, and then I think game day was, was, was fun. I mean, the experience of it is once, you know, it's amazing, Ho hopefully not once in a lifetime, but you know, it's truly like a, such a spectacle and, and the amount, of, I, I remember the amount of people on the field to me was like mind blowing. You know, you walk out there for pregame warmups, you're used to, you know, maybe a hundred people on the sideline, you know, walking around media, whatever, there's gotta be 5,000 people like lined around the field. And, you know, you're trying to get your warm up in, you're trying not to look around too much. You're trying to stay focused, trying to get your warm up in. Um, and then, and then, you know, you come off, you can go and play. And, and I, and I remember the other thing that was surprising was how long the TV timeouts were, you know, right. and, and, you know, because it's, you know, you're told about that's for commercial break, you know, Super Bowl commercials and whatnot, TV timeouts are long. And then, and then the, halftime is super long right the halftime is like half hour 40 minutes or i think it's 40 good. minutes it's twice yeah. as long as the regular season i know that it, it felt like an eternity for me right it, it, it felt it felt like that for us too and again i you know does it make a difference in the game who knows but the patriots had been through that so many times they they kind of have the system in place and i think the number one thing that 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 threw me and and was that they replace a ball every play or or as often as they can you know, if you're in no huddle and the ball's on the field, they won't. If that ball goes out of bounds or it's incomplete or a runner runs out of bounds, that ball's out of the game. And unless you have 100 balls that are scrubbed in, ready to go, there's going to be some balls that aren't aren't up to your standard. And, and, and you know, again, I, I would imagine Tom has this, has the program dialed. He got, a, he got 100 balls up to his standard. And we did the best we could. But there was times where, you know, you have some footballs that as a game goes on, those footballs break in, there's sweat, there's dirt, there's, you know, finger, you know, those oils get are getting into this football and you're getting some, you know, some new football sometimes. And, and, I, and I thought, you know, in the biggest game of your life, in the biggest game of the season, they're willing to sacrifice, you know, something that is so standard to every other game for, uh, you know, whatever merchandise or, or balls to go donate, whatever. Um, that was, that was kind of the most like shocking thing. They're stamped different. Let, let me, right. let me, let me pile on right. this a little bit because I don't want anybody to think that Jared's making an excuse. This is a real thing. Real, real, real thing. We work harder than the footballs we play with in the NFL. I mean, we have an, what I had two equipment managers everywhere I went. I taught them how to break in the balls. I taught Alex Smith when I was mentoring him how to break in the football the way he liked it. Matthew Hasselbeck was a ball freak. Mm -hmm. You give him a K ball, you toss him a K ball, he would catch it without looking, and that's a K ball. Yeah. Like we know what the ball should feel like. And we, we spent a lot of time getting ready. I have even worse experience. They didn't take the wax off our balls. Oh, so boy. my first, the first, I don't know, 10 throws of that Super Bowl, I'm throwing a waxy stamped different. Isn't that crazy? Like it's crazy. The biggest, the biggest game of your life. They got the wrong balls out there. And you see, there's been so many bad quarterback performances in the Super Bowl from guys you don't see it coming from, and you can't say it. Now you can when you're almost 50 years old and you, you know, you're looking back at it, but a lot of the reason is because you get crappy footballs and it's so the NFL can sell them and give them to their sponsors and whatnot. And they want that ball to go out of bounds. Right. So I remember Drew Brees calls me before his Super Bowl. He's like, Hey, what advice? Can you give me? I said the gap between your normal pregame warm up, going back, coming back, and then all the songs, right? All the fanfare. 
it, that's like 14 minutes and it's usually what, three or four? I mean, yep. you're doing it right now. Yep. So that was a hard one. I said the halftime and the footballs. I said, Drew, you got to make sure. I didn't say 100. I think I said 50. I said, you got to start right now. And this was like maybe Tuesday after they had won the NFC Championship game. Right. Like you got to start right now breaking in as many footballs as you can, get your guys doing it, and then fight the refs before the game on it. But the problem yeah. is, he's like, why don't we don't have the NFL balls? We don't have the Super Bowl balls. Like, I don't know when they changed that, but you wouldn't get the Super Bowl balls early enough to break them in. So you're right. There's a huge advantage for, uh, and I don't want to say the Patriots, Tom Brady, but they've been there, done that. They've been there and done it, yes. And and, but, and not that that was, again, that wasn't the difference in the game. They nobody's thinking whole, you're making that excuse, but it is a – it's a real deal, man. It is yeah. a real deal that every year when it's the first time quarterback playing in it, I think to myself, well, he's in for a really unique experience yeah. because he probably doesn't know unless he's got a, a Jared Goff he can call or a, obviously Tom sure. or guys that have played in multiple Super Bowls. So I'm glad you brought that up. I don't talk about it a lot, but it, it's a it's a real deal. Uh, in the game, what were your nerves like? Because people ask me this question all yeah. the time, and I was too mellow. I I'd prepared mentally to be calm and be not distracted, and I didn't have my normal juice. What was your emotional state like? Uh, I felt normal. I really did. I you know it, it was the pregame and the and the national anthem and and the the, the at the Atlanta dome they had the dome open and the planes flew right over the open dome like that stuff is is so cool and and, and gets you so hyped. But once the game started, I really felt I really felt good and felt normal. You know, maybe that first snap you got a little you, you're feeling a little buzzy, right? Your whole body's kind of shaking. You know, your whole body you feel that electricity. <laughs> but uh, after that, you know, you, you feel you feel pretty good and you feel ready to go. And, and really throughout that whole game, I felt, I felt fine. I felt like my normal self. Ultimately, obviously, you know, we didn't do much offensively and um, they had a good plan for us, but uh, I think, you know, there was, there was a plenty of plays that, that were made that game by us offensively that you feel good about, but you know, there was uh, not enough obviously, but it was, it was emotionally fine. It was emotionally not no different for me. Do you think back on it? Um, Again, I don't. I don't want to take somewhere you don't want to go. But do you? Can you picture the bad plays, the plays you wish you had back? Can you? Of course. How many times have you watched it? This is interesting. So I never watched mine. Really, you still haven't. So I watched. I've never seen the TV copy. I've seen packages when I went back for the reunions, as we've had parties over the years. There'll be like little three-minute vignettes. NFL Films has vignettes of it. I've never watched the full TV copy. I did watch. I want to say a few years later off Exos, I pulled it up when I was in Seattle one night. I pulled it up late in the office and watched the actual game copy. But I, I think of all the bad play. I can't, I mean, I remember the Stokely touchdown, but I can vividly remember the feel, uh, what I was seeing, what it felt like, the calls on the bad plays. I miss really? Kadria smell on like a glance route in the high red that, I should have pinned the safety more and right. blah, 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 blah. And he's going to walk in. I tease him. I threw a third and four. We run double stick to the right backside single um, fade kind of option, which we usually didn't throw very often because we had the two big tight ends, Coates and Sharp. They would always mm -hmm. win on one of the sticks. So I really spent most of the year throwing the stick and burying the chains moving on. But I got press man vertical. Uh, on Thomas, a corner we thought we had a matchup on. I drop a dime, hit him in full stride. He gets caught up by the shoelace uh, and falls for like 30, should have gone 70. So there's yeah. little things like that, but it still right. eats at me a little bit. Like, honestly, the the not playing my best 
in right. the biggest game to this day bothers me a little bit. Do you have any of that? Right. I, I think it's probably, um, you know, maybe a little bit easier for you to do that when you win. Um, <laughs> when, 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 I'm sorry. No, I did no. not mean to go take you to the dark side. No, dude, it's not. It's, it's reality. Um, you know, you don't play your best and, and you don't get the win. Of course, you know, dude, I remember all those plays and you think about them all the time. And, um, you know, I think with the interception to Gilmore at the end of the game, you know, we had, we had a chance to tie the game up there. They bring cover zero. That was our adjustment. I wish I would have thrown it away, though. You know, you, you, you just, you know, I was I was just kind of, you know, in, in autopilot, you know, you throw it away. You make a play. Or you make a play on the next play. Um, you know, I can think about, uh, God, I can think about some of the sacks I took, some of the checks I made. Um, you know, I remember Patrick Chung was a guy that we were, were, were relying on for a lot of those checks, and he got hurt, like, in the second quarter. And, you know, so they bring in some other, you know, whoever it was next, I believe it was uh, some 30 number that you're like, well, wait a second. Right. It was, it was actually, it was Harmon. I believe. Um, I I can't remember his first name. I believe he was 21 number. Um, But he, he, there was a different Patrick Chung was like the whole, the whole game plan and, you know, he's out. So now you, and and that's the type of stuff you remember is I missed a check because, you know, Patrick Chung wasn't in the game, I believe. and, And, you know, I was thinking about something else. So, um, those are the things that, yeah, you'll never forget and, and, and are part of part of who you are. And I think the best way to put it is, you know, it, good or bad, it's a tattoo and, and you can get more tattoos. You can get good tattoos. You can get more, but that's, that's one you, you, you wear and, and you'll have forever. And, um, it's, it's part of, part of, you know, what my career has, has been up to this point, but I think, you know, I, you know, watching the game, I watched it after like a month or two. You know, I, I, I think I watched it on Exos uh, after like two months by myself, right? Like, you know, I, watching it by myself and, and, and just, you know, evaluating it and taking taking notes and like being like, all right, and learning from it and really trying to put it to bed. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen it on TV. I don't know if I've ever seen the TV copy. Um, if I had won, though, I might have watched the TV copy a hundred times. <laughs> I don't know if you played crappy like I did. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I may have just forgot about it. Just fast forward to the end. Well, let me finish this. I took you to a place I don't want to go, but let me finish on a really high note. There are tens of thousands of quarterbacks, uh, hundreds of thousands if you go to high school. But there are there are so many people that grow up dreaming, playing this position, dreaming of playing in that game. And you are one of the very few. It's .00017 or something. So anybody that's going to knock you for that is just ignorant. It is so hard to get to that game. I talked to Jim Kelly on this pod and he talked about, he's actually can look back now and be super proud that he got to four. Yeah. He's this point number one, one, Yeah, but to get to four, uh, to yeah. get to one, uh, yeah. it's a tremendous accomplishment. So let's finish up this way. I, I try to do this with each guest because it's such an important part of our journey as a quarterback. Just talk to me about your family and we talked about your dad and his influence, but just take as much time as you want to finish up. Just, you can use this as a thanking them opportunity. You can use it as an opportunity to speak to other quarterback families, yeah. give them advice. Uh, and if you want to weave in the foundational stuff to this too, and what your passions are outside of football, tee up, go. Sure. Yeah, I think actually I was thinking about this last week. Um, obviously, my dad's had an influence on me and in, in, in sports specifically. My mom has as well. And my, and my sister um, has been always there going to all the games, dragging her to all the games since I was little. But, um, you know, currently going through some pretty good adversity right now. Right. You know, you're 0-9 or 0-8. Um, and after games, there's three, four people who text me every time. 
It's my mom, my dad, my sister, and my girlfriend. No matter what. No matter what, right? And, you know, some of these games are tough. Last week was a tough one. You know, we got we got our butts kicked. Uh, you know, haven't been a part of many of those, and I'm sure you've had a couple in your career, but they're not fun, right? And mm. I think you what you learn is that, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, when I'm when I'm your age and, and even older, there's only those four people that are really, you know, there. You know, really, really, you know, you have your close, you have your close group of friends and you have your extended family who are part of your journey as well. But at, after every game, I get four texts, no matter what, and I can count on those people. And I think that's kind of, you know, speaks to I've got a good support system and I'm lucky to have that. But when I'm 60 years old and I'm you know 50 years old, those will be still the four people when you're when you're, you know, when you're dead and gone, you know, when you, at your funeral, you know, I know it's morbid, but like there's only going to be that those core people that that really cared for you and that really were there for you. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what uh, a lot of the adversity in, in my career and um, a lot of the adversity, you know, that I've gone through in the last 12 months has taught me is, is that you, you, you think people are there for you, but you really only have your family at the end of the day, you know, and I think it's been a great lesson. It's been, it's been awesome. And um, something that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have experienced. Oh, that was so good. My brain's gone. I, now I want to give like a life, coaching speech right now because we did the show for that exact reason beyond the x's and o's um there's so much our quarterbacks i'm just going to speak to you hopefully there's thousands of you watching because you want to hear from jared goff and other great quarterbacks this is not your identity it's what you do do it as well as you can hopefully you get to have these incredible experiences that jared's had that i've had that steve young had the brett Favre, tory aikman i can go on and on and on that's been on the show the end of the day, it's not your identity. It's something you do. Your identity is much bigger than that. Jared talked about unconditional love. A lot of the people that you think are loving you right now are loving you right now because of what you do, not who you are. And your family, those that will be there through the hardest of times, that's called unconditional love. It has nothing to do with what you do with the football. So, Jared, thanks for sharing that. This has been so much fun. So much fun. Uh, so fun for me. I'll just be selfish here for 30 seconds as we close up. I remember Jeff Tefford calling me and saying, you got to see this kid golf. We go to an Oakland regional and well, I'd watched your film. And to this day, we use you as an example at elite 11. You're the finest deep ball thrower we've ever evaluated at elite 11. You I appreciate 42 yard dimes look like they were hitches three yards from the sideline, 42 to 45 yards down the field. You still do it. Um, but he said, this kid is great. He's such a great kid. He's a great competitor, but don't make fun of his skinny legs too much. So what do I do is I get to Oakland and I just rode you for all day about your skinny yep. legs yep. and you owned it and you just kept ripping fire. You end up going to the finals. We have an incredible time at the finals and you've been a really good friend. Uh, you've always treated people around you super well and, and when people ask me about you i'm saying hey he's going through a rough stage he's going to be fine he's going to he's going to have a long lustrous career but more importantly he's going to leave places better than they found them. that's right that's that's the goal man you people in detroit right now i know it's rough i get it i lived it uh he will leave that franchise better than he found it because that's who he is jared thank you so much for your time thank you trent this was awesome i appreciate it man you got it bro Thanks so much to Jared Goff for spending time with all of us today. Man, I love that conversation. And again, thanks to our friends at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.